symptom of sickness, disease, weakness, and or pain out of your body. Amen. The Bible says that uh, God confirms His Word with signs following. Amen. He works with the Word. He is the Word. He exalts the Word above His very name. And so there's healing in the Word for us today. And so what I had in my heart to do was to look at an individual testimony that we have uh, accounted. We have some detail in several Gospels. Uh, but uh, Mark chapter 5 is my favorite. And it is the story of the healing of Jairus' daughter. And so I'm going to pray. We're going to jump into this and uh, praise God. God's going to be moving all throughout uh, our service today. Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, we call you our Savior. We call you our friend. We call you our Lord. We call you our uh, true and mighty King. But Father, we thank God, oh, we thank God that we can and we do today also call you the great physician and our faithful healer. Lord, healing always comes with the light of the Word of God on it. And I thank you for giving unto each one of us today revelation, not just head knowledge. God, we thank you for knowledge. But Lord, we want a divine revelation to come that enlightens our spirit, renews our minds, that causes us to see like we have never seen before, praise God, that we can receive healing no matter how desperate the circumstance. And so, Lord, I thank you, Father God, for a healed people today. I receive it myself, praise God, a fresh and a new and a strong faith into my spirit for healing of the body. Lord, we just thank you that the people are being helped and that your name is being magnified and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. And so let's get into this. <clears throat> Praise God. You know, there's 19, I understand there are 19 individual cases in the four Gospels uh, of healings or deliverances in the ministry of Jesus. Now, there are many accounts where Jesus healed whole groups. He healed whole multitudes. But when I say there are 19 cases, I'm talking about there are 19 uh, individuals or you know, very small groups like the 10 lepers where we have some testimony, we have some information given about uh, how Jesus ministered to these people specifically and what the people did themselves on their side. And there is much to be learned and gleaned <clears throat> Uh, about how to receive healing ourselves by studying these 19 testimonies. Uh, you, we know that there are many, many more uh, that Jesus healed individually because in the Gospel of John, uh, John said by the Spirit, he said, I suppose that if all things that we witnessed Him do, the miraculous things He did and taught, were to be written, it would take the volumes of the world to tell it all. So why just these 19? Well, the Holy Ghost, no doubt, so, uh, knew in his wisdom that these 19 individual cases would be more than what would be necessary for us to learn what we need to learn about how to receive healing and deliverance for ourselves. Amen? And so we're studying one of them today. So Mark chapter 5 and uh, verse number 22 begins the testimony. And it says, And behold, there comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. 
And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter, let your heart be affected by that. You know, how would you feel <laughs> as a parent? You know, if, if, you're, if you were in Jairus's situation, my little daughter, she wasn't just sick. It was, she wasn't just even in the hospital, right? My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. She shall live. Let's stop there for a moment. If you want to, you can keep your place here in Mark 5, but we are going to flip around as the Lord would lead me. And uh, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6, which is the gospel to the left, and read something here. But while you're finding that, I want you to notice that straight away <clears throat> uh, some interesting things. Who is this Jairus? Well, we don't have a whole lot of information about him. We know his first name, Jairus. We also know his occupation or his station in life. It says that he was the ruler of a synagogue. Now, synagogue, of course, is Jewish church, right? And so he had the oversight. He wasn't the, the, the pastor, okay, of that synagogue, uh, I understand. Uh, he wasn't the rabbi of the synagogue. If he was, that's what the text no doubt would have called him. He was the ruler over. So he had uh, a lot of oversight of the maintenance of the facility and the operational aspects of that. Uh, of that, and it was a prestigious position. It was no doubt a, a funded position. And, uh, but I want you to just think about this. He was a religious man. And many in that day, many of the religious people and many of the religious leaders of that day, they rejected Jesus. They did not receive Jesus' ministry. They did not recognize Him. And... Uh, but isn't it interesting, so one of the things that we can see immediately about Jairus is that he didn't let his religion stop him from appealing to the right one. And you know, but that's not the case. You would think that if things got desperate and there was a legitimate ministry with many legitimate bona fide testimonies all throughout Jerusalem in the different area where Jesus had gone to travel where multitudes had been healed that people would have no problem laying down their religion and their dogma and their tradition and their denominationalism in desperation at least to get help for their child. But you know that's not true. That's not true. Many, many reject divine help. They will not change even if it means letting a loved one pass away, they're not going to be willing to change. I tell you what, I'm not that religious, thank God. I don't want, I don't want to be held back by religion. I want the power of God. Amen? And uh, so that's one of the things that we could brag on right up front about Jairus, is that when it came down to it, he needed results. But notice, he had to leave his religious box to get real help. And I wonder if you're, religious, if you're in a religious box today. And if so, are you willing to lay down religion to have reality? Amen. 
because Jesus was definitely operating not outside the word, not outside the truth, not outside the law, but he sure was operating outside their traditions. Amen. And uh, so, praise God. Here's something else I want you to notice in these two verses already. Notice what, and I know you're in Matthew now, but remember what Jesus heard from this man. So he comes and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. And here's another thing. Jairus didn't care about his pride, right? He had no problem prostrating himself. Amen. And humbling himself before Jesus. So here's another thing. If we, All of these little nuggets will help us. This is how ultimately we're in this story because we know that Jairus' daughter was healed. So she recovered, amen, from this uh, crisis that she had come to physically. And so, you know, sometimes we have to will and just humble ourselves before God. If that means grabbing a mouthful of carpet and humbling yourself, well, that's what Jairus did. But then this is critical. Notice what Jairus said. He said, he, I besought him greatly. I know you don't have the text in front of you unless you flip back. Uh, besought him greatly that Jesus would come to his house and lay hands on his daughter, for she will be healed. So here's what, one thing I want you to see. Jairus didn't just come with his need. He came with faith. He came with his faith. How do we know Jairus was in faith? You could hear his faith speaking. What Jairus said was his faith speaking. You know, words, the things you say, doesn't matter how, you know, how big the crisis, what comes out of your mouth, what comes out of my mouth is an expression, a verbal expression at that moment of what we believe. What did Jairus believe? Come, lay my hand, your hands on my daughter, and she will be healed. That's positive, isn't it? That is positive. That is faith. And then, and then we, before we cut away to Matthew, we saw Jesus set out to go to Jairus' house. In other words, we could say it this way. Jairus, the man, got a response, a right response from God. He got God turned toward his need. But it wasn't the fact that he was desperate that caused Jesus to turn aside and go towards Jairus' house. Here's something that we have to get, and I haven't forgotten where you are in Matthew. God does not respond to us. And he does not intervene. He does not manifest his power. He does not heal based on the basis of need. Now, all you got to do is just look at people's experiences and know and see. If God moved on the basis of need alone, we'd all have it made, wouldn't we? There wouldn't be any sickness because when the need showed up, God would just move on our behalf. We say, well, no, people have to bring their need to God. That's what Jairus did. Okay, let's say that. Don't you know people who have earnestly and sincerely brought their need? Oh, God, I'm sick. Oh, God, my loved one. Oh, God. And brought their need to the Lord in prayer. And yet their loved one or they themselves, they were not healed. Many died. So we see that God does not move on the basis of need. 
Okay. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to see something else real quick here. In verse 7 and 8 it says, But when they pray, Jesus is talking and teaching. He says, When they pray, talking about religious people, use not, or no, it's, it says when you pray. So he's instructing them. When you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard. Why? For their much speaking. Be ye not therefore like unto them. For your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask. Okay. So a couple of things I, I want you to just see real quick before we move on. Number one, God does not answer people's prayers because they talk a lot. You stand before God night and day until you fall over and collapse with exhaustion. God is not going to be moved by your much begging, your much pleading, your much crying. People think, you know, God is not emotionally distant, but He is not moving to work healing miracles in people's lives because of their tears. Amen? You have to know that. Jairus didn't talk a lot. It took him less than 15 seconds to get those words out to Jesus. Come, lay your hands on my daughter, for she shall be healed if you do that. That's all he said. And it got God to turn toward his situation. So it's not the need that moves God. Amen. And it's not just the voicing of our need to God. Doesn't matter how earnestly that's going to move him. We must ask and we must ask in faith. Do you know that when the Bible, you could go back to Matthew, or excuse me, to Mark. But do you know when the Bible talks about asking, the Bible means ask in faith. It is implying that you should ask in faith. How do I know that? I'm going to give you two references. You don't have to turn there. But you could write them down if you want them. Matthew 21, 22, Jesus speaking on the subject of faith and prayer made this statement. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. So I want to drive this point home. God's not going to move on your behalf because you need something. And even if you need it desperately, and I've been there. You just go to God, oh God, oh God, oh God, I need you. And he knows you do. Doesn't he know you do? He knows you need him. It's not like he goes, oh, you know, I've been really busy running the universe. I'm sorry that I let that get by me. But again, even knowing what our needs are and that God knows what our needs are. Notice Matthew 6 said, you still have to ask. But then he goes on, the full counsel of God's word on this subject says, you don't just ask, oh God, I ask you. But there's all kinds of fear. There's no expectation. You're not bringing any belief. You're not bringing any faith. That is why many of these kinds of prayers go unanswered. They go unheard. Situations don't change. Because God expects you to do more than asks. Ask Him. He expects you to ask believing. That's Matthew 21, 22. Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. All right. Another reference to back this up is James 1, 6. You could write that down if you want that. James 1, 6. 
Here the Bible says, but let him ask, how? In faith. Amen. So all of our asking, amen, should be in faith. You know, if kids are going to be skillful as they approach their parents, they really shouldn't ask their parents for something they know they're going to say no to. In other words, smart kids, they know what the likely answer is going to be before they ask. But when you want to talk about getting answered prayer from God, the only kind of asking God is going to respond to is the ask that knows the answer before the ask is given. Oh, you just, no, Pastor, you just never know what God, no, that's not true. That's ignorance gone to seed. That, that's not, that's ignorance. That's, that's religious tradition clouding our thinking. No, we have to, if we want answers to our prayer for healing or for finances or for any other thing, we must know in advance. That's the only way you could have faith, right? You have to know in advance what God's will is. Amen. So James 1, 6 says, uh, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering. So he adds this statement, there can't be any hesitation. There can't be any back and forth. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Amen. So again, to highlight, and we're moving forward and going back to Mark 5. Here's a simple truth that we must all understand if we want our prayers to be answered. God does not move and fulfill promises based on human need. What moves God? Well, what turned? Jesus was not, he didn't have it on his uh, calendar that day to swing by Jairus' house. He's got a desperate need. Jesus already had an agenda for that day. He was already on the move toward that day. But he allowed this man to totally upend his plan for the day and turned aside to head toward his house. What caused Jesus to do that? Somebody in the auditorium tell me. I've got a few family members here. Huh? Faith did. It is faith that's going to turn God. It's faith that's going to begin an operation of God. Does that make sense to you? Amen. So I want to quote something Pastor Nancy Dufresne said. She said, God goes where faith puts him. God does not go where needs are. God goes where faith puts him. Faith pleases God, Pastor Nancy Dufresne said. Then I like this statement. You will always find him where faith is found. You will always find the power of God, the movement of God, God's presence, amen, where faith is is found. Amen? Amen. So back to Mark 5. <clears throat> we had left off in verse 24. Jairus had made his declaration of faith that she may be healed and she shall live. Listen, if you're dealing with symptoms, you need to follow Jairus' example. You need to bring God your need in prayer, but you need to bring your faith. You need to bring your faith with you. So in verse 24 it says, And Jesus went with him. And Jesus went with him. And Jesus went with him. I wonder if you could imagine how Jairus, the emotions and thoughts he might have had as he saw the master turn toward his house. Can you imagine the, 
the relief, the, the flood of hope and joy and peace and assurance and confidence that this healer who'd healed the masses is now on his way. He, he must feel like, hang on, baby. Healing's on the way. Soon as I can get Jesus to the house, this is all over. He's going to lay his hands on my daughter. Can you imagine? And so maybe you feel like that when you come to God and you release your, you, you, you've expressed your need to him, or maybe you've come and you've had hands laid on you, or you've had someone touch and agree with you for your healing. And all of a sudden there is a flood of confidence and, and hope and, and expectation. Nothing has changed in the natural yet, right? But you're sensing, you're feeling the overflow, and you should. You know, if you're really in faith, there's joy. If you're really in faith, there's peace. Even though natural circumstances, they haven't changed yet. Oh, but you know, you know God's on the move. God is on the move. He's turned towards my direction. The power of God's in operation. But then notice what happens. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years. And so now, uh, another intervention happens. Another lady with a desperate circumstance comes, and I won't take time, you know the story, right? She presses through this crowd. She grabs hold of the hem of Jesus' garment. Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. No doubt he's got Jairus close by. You're not going to let Jairus, you're gonna, he's not going to let Jesus get far out of his sight. Amen. He's got to be like, it's this way, Jesus. Oh, let's double time it, Jesus. Let's just go this way. And But Jesus stops and he has this interaction with this woman. Now, I can't imagine it took long, but can you put yourself in Jairus' mind now? Jesus is now stopped moving towards Jairus' house physically. He's now been interrupted, and God's now turned aside to a different need. What might you think he's going on? Is like, Gee, listen, she's had this disease for 12 years. She, she could be all right. Uh, okay, great, she's healed. We do not need to sit here. And listen to her blabber on about her testimony. Can, we, can you imagine what he's feeling now? So in, sometimes when you're in faith, this is why the title of my sermon today is, you know, healing can be a journey of faith. And, if, and this is why you should not be led or moved by your emotions and your feelings. Because now the exhilaration and the confidence and the bubbling joy as they took steps towards his home, now... Maybe there's some panic. Maybe there's some anxiety trying to grip him. Oh, Jesus, please hurry. Please hurry. And of course, what he, right, what happens next? I'm going to flip my page. And uh, so we have this interaction with the woman with the issue of blood through verses 34 of Mark 5. Let's pick it back up in verse 35. While he, Jesus, yet spoke to the to the woman, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, that's Jairus, which said, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Ouch. So here is the nightmare scenario. 
Here, here is what every parent never wants to hear. Again, try to put yourself in Jairus' place. If there's a moment to quit, if there's a moment to despair, if there's a moment to begin questioning your faith, if there's a moment to begin asking why God, how come God, or to get disappointed mad at God, for Jairus, it would be right now. It would be right now. And so oftentimes, hopefully not to this degree of intensity, but listen, believer, as you, you know, when you, just like Jairus, he began a faith operation when he said to Jesus, come heal my daughter, lay your hands on her and she will live. He's in faith. Now listen, all God needs for Jairus to do is what? Stay in faith. Don't change what you believe, Jairus. Amen? And uh, so, but here's something I want to say to us. When we start a faith operation with God, a faith journey with God, prepare your mind, prepare your emotions for your faith to be challenged. Jairus didn't get to just coast for however many blocks it was to his house. Satan and circumstances began to oppose, amen, his faith. Amen? And listen, Jairus could have said, my faith didn't work. How come my faith didn't work? Amen? And a lot of times when you're standing in faith for your healing, your body can go from bad to worse. You can get a series of bad doctor's reports. You, you can have all kinds of pressure put on your mind and your emotions. Listen, it doesn't mean that your faith is failing. It doesn't mean that your faith is not working. We do not judge the operation of faith by what we see or feel or hear or what people say or what happens in the natural circumstance. Amen? The thing we must understand is, did, in this account so far, where did Jesus quit? Where did he, has he given up? Did he say, I'm sorry? Is there any anxiety in Jesus? Here's another thing I love about on Jesus' side of this whole story. He's not in a hurry, is he? He doesn't act like he's desperate. All that stuff going on, Jairus, about hurry, hurry, get there, get there. There's none of that in Jesus. You see, Jesus is at rest. In his mind, as long as Jairus does what he did, stays in faith, doesn't matter what happens, this girl's going to live. Because I can, and I can because Dad authorized me because of his faith. So, if I get there today, I get there tomorrow, really doesn't matter in the mind of Jesus. So if he needs to stop and spend 10 minutes and hear the testimony of a woman who got healed, no big deal, he's got time. Amen? Listen, faith is always at rest. How do you know? Pastor, how do I know if I'm in faith for my healing today? Are you at rest? Are you at rest? Are you at peace? Or are you anxious? Are you worked up? Are you in fear? Amen. Now, you could feel all those things, but you have to resist them. 
And the big governor, the big measuring stick about whether you've moved over into doubt, fear, and unbelief, or faith is what has come out of your mouth. Amen? You don't measure things, how your faith is doing by the natural or how you feel. What has come out of my mouth? Amen. And so the thing about standing victoriously in faith is that you have to learn not to be moved by anything that comes. You cannot be moved by negative reports, thoughts, feelings, or anything that contradicts the Word of God. Amen. And circumstances and the devil are going to make sure that when you begin an operation of faith, your faith is going to be challenged. Amen. So let's move on now. Now at this, this is a critical moment. News has come to Jairus that his daughter has in fact died and encourages Jairus, these messengers, to give up and to leave the master alone. Don't trouble him anymore. Now, this is an awesome, this ought to make you shout. Amen. Look at what Jesus did next. It says in verse 36, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, He said unto the ruler of the sinner, He said to Jairus, Be not afraid, only believe. Amen. Oh, thank God. See how God will help you stay in faith at critical moments. And so I love the amplified translation, of course, uh, of this verse. The amplified translation of verse 36 reads this way. Jesus overhearing but ignoring what they said. Come on. This is what we have to learn to do. Even in desperate circumstances. Overhear and ignore what you hear. You hear something that contradicts what you're believing God for. Learn to hear it and not be moved by it. Learn to hear it and turn your back on it. Learn to hear it and deny it. Learn to hear it and uh, ignore it. Jesus heard that, but overhearing and ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, I love this, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Here's how the Amplified renders his instruction to dad, Jairus, only keep on believing. Everyone say, only keep on believing. Now say it this way. Keep on, keeping on, believing. And how is our believing expressed? Primarily through words and actions. Amen. So the point of what Jesus turns at this critical moment, before anything could fly out of Jairus' mouth, is the key. Jairus, just keep doing what you've been doing. Don't change. Don't change. Don't let fear words, don't let doubt words, don't let grief words come out of your mouth. In other words, because God's side, it doesn't matter that it went from near death to death, that she died. Standing right there talking to Him is the resurrection and the life. You know, we need to learn nothing's over until God says it's over. 
Amen? Nothing is over unless God says it's over. So what should we do? When fear tries to grip you, resist it. Use the authority that you and I have in the name of Jesus and bind that spirit of fear and command it to cease and desist in its maneuvers against you. And then do what? Keep on believing. Keep on believing. Don't change. Peter was walking on water one day <laughs> as he acted on one word from Jesus, come. But when he got diverted, right? When he changed, when he yielded to fear, it, it was like uh, we've got all these cords, right? There's power. But your words of faith is what plugs you in to the power. And Jairus plugged into the power that day he pleaded with Jesus and released his faith. Jesus is just saying, hang in there. Don't unplug. Don't change. Even though she is dead. Wow. Amen? So fighting the good fight of faith, understand the fight of faith is a fight over words. Circumstances, opposition, satanic attacks, is, it's an attack, it's an endeavor to get you to upend your faith by speaking different words. But if the enemy cannot get you to change your confession of faith on the Word of God, he cannot stop you from being healed. He cannot stop you from the manifestation of your healing. Amen? So here's something else uh, Pastor Nancy said. Don't let fear change your words. Don't let fear change your words. Then she made this statement. Don't allow doubt to doubt, excuse me, don't allow doubt to end what faith started. See, when Jairus released, released his faith, he started the healing of his daughter. You know, even today as I'm preaching this, healing always comes from God. It, when the word is preached, healing always comes. It begins an operation, a divine movement of God, but it may take a little time. And you may have to face some tests and trials. You may have to confront some pressure and some opposition. But don't change your words. Don't put an end to what your faith began. If you just stay with it. Amen. Power's going to flow into these outlets as long as they stay plugged in. As long as we keep the switch of faith turned on. Amen. All right. So we can see here that words of doubt abort faith's progress. Words of doubt abort your faith's progress. Faith is the plug that connects you to God's power. To yield to doubt and fear is to unplug and to interrupt the flow of divine healing power. This is what Jesus is saying. Jairus, do not fear. Only one thing is necessary. Keep on believing. A lot of times that in, for him, I bet the best he could do was keep his mouth shut. Sometimes the best you could do because the assault on your emotions, because those words you spoke before, the last words you spoke, that's what's governing things. And the last word he spoke about that situation was come to my house, lay your hands on her, and she will be healed. So if you just have to bite your tongue, Clamp it down. Keep those words of fear, doubt, grief 
despair questionings from coming out of your mouth, then what you spoke last is still governing that situation. You know, Brother Hagin, this brings up something Brother Hagin was asked. Um, there was a, I think it was a young man, he was in a, uh, a uh, he had fallen into a coma. And the doctors had not given him any chance to live. And people around him asked him, uh, Brother Hagen, can, can this turn for this young man? Can he come out of this? And Brother Hagen's response was this. He said, yes, maybe, depending on the last thing he said before falling into that coma. Think about that. Because what, is, what matters most in our life, what, what, what is carrying the most weight and dominion in the Spirit are the last words we said about our situation. You know, that's a sobering thing, right? Amen. But these are, these are serious things. So let's just read on. While he yet spoke, there came from, verse 35, the ruler of the synagogues, a certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except or save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and sees the tumult. Amen. Now here's another hindrance to your faith. People crying, people moaning, people whining, people just totally giving themselves over to their emotions. Listen, faith, your faith, when you're, when you're on a faith journey toward healing, you can't afford to dwell among the whiners and the gripers and the grievers in that situation. You need to surround yourself with positive people who will speak the Word of God. Amen? And, you know, to, even if they're blood kin, you just may have to say, listen, we're going to have to see you later. I can't be around this right now. Amen? And, and so Jesus got all of those people out of there. So there was a great tumult, tumult you know, this great commotion, verse 38. And them that wept and wailed greatly... And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make you ado? Why make you this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleeps. Now here's the first words directly spoken by Jesus to this situation. Right? And he called those things which be not. Did he not? I just taught you that on Wednesday night. What did Jesus do? She is dead. That's what is. She didn't go, yes, yeah, she did. No. He said, the damsel is not dead, but sleeps. And what did they do? They ridiculed him and mocked him to scorn. They laughed him to scorn. But when they had put them all out, you know what faith will do? Faith will just put out all the doubt, put out all the unbelief, put out all the fear and all the whining and all the griping. And he took the father and the mother. Now, why do you think he took the father and the mother? You can learn something about this real quick. Parents, he, the reason Jairus and the mother are still critical components is that they are the ones in authority in this home. They are the ones that have dominion over what's happening with their child. 
And so that's why he had to tell Jairus, don't fear, don't change, just keep on believing. Why? Because he needed, God needs people in authority to stay in faith so he can work on behalf for those who are under their authority. There's another benefit of having a pastor, someone that you say is spiritually in authority over you. Amen, because that's a, that's a realm of authority if your pastor has faith that God can move into people's situations and work through that avenue. Amen. God himself is not going to violate the delegated dominion and authority he gave to us. We already read that in Genesis about God giving us dominion. So this is why you see the mother and father in this situation. Amen. He had to have their faith and he had to have their agreement to consummate, to bring to full fruition this journey of faith that Jairus had started. Amen. So they entered in to where the damsel was lying, and he took the damsel by the hand, the girl by the hand, and said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the girl arose and walked. <laughs> For she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something be given her to eat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Listen, no matter what's come against your body, talking about what I know about what's going on with my congregation today, you're not in near as desperate a circumstance as Jairus. Right? And this circumstance started desperate and it got worse. But God still won. The will of God still prevailed. And Jairus, his actions, his words, his following the instructions of the master to stay in faith and to not change were the critical components that kept the door of faith open for God to bring this healing miracle into this family's life. Here is a girl that could have died, did die, but it didn't stay that way. Look at what faith in God and faith in Jesus will do. Amen? Amen. So I just encourage you, listen, the will of God is your healing. And it doesn't have to take long. Amen? Just receive your healing by faith. Claim it. By faith, ask God for it if you, you don't have to because healing already belongs to you. But if you feel like you need to ask, ask, but ask in faith. Amen. Remember what Matthew uh, 21 told us. When you ask, whatever you ask, believing you shall receive. So, Father, I pray right now over all under the sound of my voice today, whatever it is that they would believe you for need healing in their body. God, I ask you for a manifestation of your healing power in the people's bodies to drive out all symptoms, sickness, disease, and pain. God, God I thank you that we're moving over into faith right now, this moment, this moment for people who haven't already. This is the moment we enter in, we grab hold and we say, based on the Word of God, calling those things which be not as though they were, based on 1 Peter 2.24, by His stripes we were healed, we receive our healing now. 
Now see, you do that, you just started a faith operation, a faith work. Now keep the door of faith open. Keep the switch of faith turned on. Just praise Him and thank Him that you are healed now based on the Word of God. Not based on what you see, not based on what you feel, not based on what test results would say, but based on the, the, the unshakable promise of God's Word. Father, we are healed. We thank you, Father. We thank you. Symptoms are departing. Strength is returning. Pain is leaving. Bodies are being made whole in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, hey, that's what I wanted to share with you today. Glory to God. And the Gospels are full of testimonies like that. And, and uh, if you're, you're enjoying a you know, kind of a sleepy cold winter day.